You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. We're so glad to have you here. My name is Cam. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we're actually a, a church of three campuses. So we have our Mariner campus up at the top of the hill. And then we have Town Center at the Evergreen Theater. And we're down here at the Inlet Theater, as you know. And I was just up at our Mariner campus uh, preaching this morning. And uh, drove right down the hill and got here just in time. I even got to sit down, you know, fill in some blanks, hold my wife's hand. It's great. We've concluded our Abraham series. And uh, this morning we start... A brand new series. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here, isn't it? Hey? Have you guys seen, you know, the lights, the trees? And even here at the Inlet Theater, we got some extra decor. Looks really good. Uh, and, uh, and yesterday, actually, I was able to go to Lafarge Lake Lights uh, with my mother-in-law, my wife, and our daughter, Emmy. And we were able to walk around and just enjoy the lights. How many of you guys been to Lafarge Lights recently? If you haven't been, okay, you, you got to do it. You got to do it. It's absolutely beautiful. Do we have the photos? Like, l- look at this, you know, just absolutely incredible. Let's go to the next one. Amazing reindeer, okay, next one. There's light tunnels. Just absolutely incredible. And as I was walking around, there was just so much wonder and awe. And, and especially just to see the way my, my daughter's face would light up. When she saw these different lights or the animals or, and she was doing I spy, I spy with my little eye a birdie, you know, I spy with my little eye a reindeer and she's pointing around and it's really wonderful. And I was walking around, I was just so full of like that Christmas spirit, you know what I'm saying? But then what happened? I started to get a little bit frustrated, a little bit grumpy because I was like, wait a second, okay. I've seen the Christmas pirates, the Christmas flamingos, the Christmas deck of cards. There's Christmas butterflies. There are Christmas, you know, woodland animals. But I have not seen one nativity scene, baby Jesus, or anything remotely to do with what Christmas is actually all about. And I was literally, I was, I was ready to go on Amazon Prime and order a Keep Christ in Christmas bumper sticker, slap it right on the back of my Hyundai Ionic. But then I realized something. No matter if the essence has been missed, when it comes to the light displays at Lafarge, there is one theme that remains. And I believe that it will remain for the end of time. What is that? Light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. 2,000 years ago, here's what we believe, that the light came. The very light of the world entered humanity. We believe that the light has come, has come among us. And through the veil of the lights at Lafarge, suddenly this message came to my heart. I wrote this sermon this week. It, I didn't write it last night. But, um, <laughs> and I realized, I said, okay, God, your light is still shining. And would you use the light to bring people to yourself? You know, Isaiah chapter 9, which we read during our candle reading, verse 2 says this, the people who have wandered in darkness people walk in darkness, they have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The light has come, and the light that Isaiah prophesied came to planet Earth in Jesus. And today, as we begin a new series, we will build upon that theme, that even when the world seems dark, and it does at times, doesn't it? Even when it's dark in reality, 
even when it's incredibly dark spiritually. Every Advent, every Christmas season, we're reminded of this reality. The light has come. There is a light in the darkness. And John, the apostle, in his first chapter, and specifically in the first nine verses, he, he draws upon this theme. This theme of the fact that the light has come and what we have done is for our scripture reading today, we actually have animated this text to bring it to life for you so you can see it in full color and understand the complexity, the gravity, the intensity of what John has penned in this first chapter. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're willing, if you're able, let's stand in honor of God's word. And we're going to play this video on the screen. And then we'll preach from that text. Let's play it now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The light has come. You may be seated. The light has come. Frederick Dale Bruner, a Christian commentator, says this about these verses. One feels on holy ground when entering the prologue to the gospel. Here we have the overture uh, to the symphony of the whole gospel, the preface of the greatest story ever told, the introduction to history's central fact, the foreword to the last word, the preamble to the realities trusted to the worldwide church. The light has come. Augustine writes in the 29th chapter of the City of God, a Platonist once said, the beginning of this gospel ought to be copied in letters of gold and placed in the most conspicuous place in every church. The Apostle John's rendition of this age-old story is very different than the Christmas stories that we've come to know. The Gospel of Matthew and Luke tell this story of Jesus being a human being, Jesus entering humanity. And it's a very human story. It's in a manger. There's animals, there's people, there's shepherds, there's wise men. It, it, it is telling the story of the incarnation, but John is doing something different for us. John is telling us the story of, of God. The, where was God? Where was Jesus before all of this? Before all of this. An English monk, the venerable Bede, says this, the other evangelists describe Christ as born in time. John witnessed that he was in the beginning, saying, in the beginning was the word. The others describe his sudden appearance among men. He witnessed that he was ever with God, saying, and the word was with God. The others prove him very man. 
He, that he is, very God, saying, and the word was God. The others exhibit him as a man conversing with men for a season. He, John, pronounces him as God, abiding with God in the beginning. John is answering the question, in light of the incarnation, where was Jesus before? Before he entered humanity, before he put on human flesh. And he's making a case for his divinity, for his divinity. A common heresy that was popping up in the decades following Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension was this, is that Jesus was just a human being. Jesus was just a man. He was not God. And so John is pushing back against this heresy. He is pushing back against this lie that has been told by people in the generations following Jesus. He is laying the foundation here and throughout his gospel for us to... In Understand that the incarnate infant was the very son of God. And he existed in the beginning. He was with God and he is God. And we will spend the next four weeks digging into these words as we head towards Christmas. And here is our hope is that those of you who maybe feel you're walking in darkness, those of you right now who are maybe just feel like you are under the shade of a dark day, that you would experience the glorious light and good news of the gospel. And for today, let me reread the section that we will be focusing in on for this Sunday. Verse 1 to 3, here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. You notice the hyperlink right at the beginning of that verse, in the beginning. Where have I heard that before? You've probably heard it in the beginning of the Bible, right? John, this is not just a, you know, a happy accident. He's doing it on purpose. He's trying to draw his reader's attention back to Genesis chapter 1. He's trying to help us to see that there is more going on than meets the eye in this early chapter. And this is where I want to bring our attention today. Let's uh, put up both those verses. So John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. And Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John is trying to draw a connection between these two verses John is pulling back the veil on Genesis 1 and informing us that as the author was penning these words, there's more that is going on that meets the eye. What is he telling us? That in the, this beginning that was spoken of, of Genesis, there was God, but there was also another person. The Word. The Word. What is this word that he is referring to? Uh, I was talking to Jess about this, and right away she said, the thing that naturally comes to your mind is, like, the word, right? And all of our Protestant friends and, you know, evangelicals, especially our Baptist friends will say, yes and amen, right? This is the, in the beginning was the Bible, right? Like, and <laughs> They love this interpretation, right? They love this interpretation. But it's not referring to a book. It's referring to a person, to a person who was there in the beginning. John is speaking of Jesus. And there's hints of this in the rest of the opening verses of John. They give us confidence of this fact that he's speaking of Jesus. Here's the first clue. It's found in verse 6. What does it say? 
It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. And so the question we must ask ourselves is John the Baptist in history, who was the person who he was pointing to? Jesus. On that day, you might remember that baptism scene. He's baptizing the people of Israel, for the remission of their sins. And he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he points to Jesus Christ, born of Mary. Verse 14 tells us this. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling home among us. Where else in the other gospels and the other stories are we told that the divine has entered humanity? Who is it pointing to? Jesus now, this is uh, John's mic drop moment. Verse 17, here's what he says, okay? He says this, For the law was given through Moses, but this person who I'm talking about this entire time is this. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, the word in the beginning, this ancient word, is Jesus. Jesus is the word, the word in flesh, the word of God. It's a theme that we will continue to unpack. By beginning his gospel this way, the evangelist not only makes a claim about the divine identity of Jesus, but don't miss this. He is claiming that this story that we're about to hear in the rest of his gospel is of cosmic significance. And this is an audacious claim to make. Incredibly audacious. That one can say what happened in the beginning, like Moses did, according to the latest science, 14 billion years ago, okay? Even if you're a young earth creationist, it is a wonder to say what took place even 6,000 years ago. And yet Moses pens these words saying what took place, and John one-ups him and says, not only do I know what happened in the beginning, I know what was before the beginning. And before the beginning was God and the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. This is an incredible and profound claim. And Jesus made claims like this all throughout his ministry, didn't he? Think of uh, John chapter 8, verse 58. What does he say? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now we've just been in the series on the life of Abraham. We know he existed well before the time of Jesus. We know from Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, that Jesus is actually from the line of Abraham. So how does this make sense? It's odd. Jesus is making an incredible claim that he existed before Abraham did. And not just before Abraham did. Look at John chapter 17. Look what he says here. It's wild. And now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. See, John isn't just writing these crazy things about Jesus. Jesus believes these things about himself. He says, Father, glorify me in your presence. Glory like you had before the world even began. Absolutely incredible. Jesus is claiming he existed before the cosmos came into existence. And John, through these three verses and through his gospel, goes behind and beyond creation to what and who preceded it. But he takes us further. He tells us three more things about the word. Number one, the word was with God. Number two, the word was God. 
Number three, all things were created by him and nothing that has been made has been created without him. Absolutely incredible. He, let's start with this first one. He says, the word was with God. The word who preceded creation was not an independent entity. He was not flying solo. He was not alone. He was with God. He was in fellowship and relationship and community with the Trinity. This word with is not really the best translation of the Greek word, but English fails us at times when it comes to Bible translation. What does it mean to be with someone, with someone? Raymond Brown translated it like this to try and help us understand. He said this, the word was in God's presence. The word was in the very presence of God. John McHugh wrote, and the word was in close relationship with God. And perhaps these are better ways of framing it to more closely resemble what John meant when he penned these words. You see, God is not an it. He is not a force. He is not the universe. He is a person. And people, you know this as people, your experience, have relationships. Relationships with other. And because he is a person, he has a relationship, God, with the Son. The Son who is the Word. We see God is in deep, close relationship with the Word. And John is unveiling that, or un- unveiling that the infant Christ, before he was chubby and cute, before he sucked his thumb, before he breathed his first, was with God and knew him and in relationship with him in the very beginning of time. This is like philosophically mind-blowing. And I could try and continue to explain this to you, but frankly... This is where faith comes in. I'm not saying faith is without reason, but when it comes to theology and philosophy and all of these things, sometimes it's hard to comprehend these realities that the authors are speaking to. And if that wasn't enough, like I think we can wrap our head around the incarnate person of Jesus was with God in the beginning, but then John lays it on thick. What does he say? He says, and the word was God. Now these first two sentences, they kind of feel like they contradict each other. How can you be with God and also God at the same time? This is the, you know, make your mind spin realities that John is speaking to. The word here is not other than God, but it is interior to God's own being and identity. And this is a theme that will continue to be unpacked in this gospel. He quotes Jesus later on saying in 1030, Jesus saying, the Father and I are one. We are one. In John chapter 14, they're having a discussion about how to get to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Thomas blurts out, wow, help us to see the Father. Classic Thomas, right? And he said, help us to see the Father. And Jesus says these incredible words. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. See, Jesus is making this incredible divine claim about himself. And John starts his gospel in the very same way. He is saying that he is one with the Father. He is saying that he is G-O-D, God. The the one who created everything. Not a lowercase g God, not a demi-God. 
not just a human being, that he is God. And these are claims that Jesus made about himself and claims that the apostles and the writers of Scripture make about Jesus. Well, some will say, you know, I like Christmas, I like Jesus, I like his teachings, he's a nice guy, there's some things in, in his life that I'd like to emulate, but I, I, the God thing, like, no. But this text confronts us this morning. It pushes back against some of these things, these false things that we believe about Jesus. Some will say that he's just a good person, but no, he is more than just a good person. He is God. And John is correcting these notions along with the heresies of the Jehovah's Witnesses across the street right now. And the Mormons. He is not a God. He is not an angelic being. The text is really, really clear, okay? So I'm just quoting the Bible. I'm not being offensive. This is what it says in the original manuscripts. The word was with God and the word was God. There was no ah added before the God. It is claiming that he is God. This word revealed to be Jesus is God among us. And this changes the way we see the nativity scene, doesn't it? The hay, the animals manger, the cloth, the star, the child. This is not just another child. This is the infinite, infant God before us. Unbelievable. Frederick Dale Bruner says this, we are not simply that we are indeed meeting a great man when we encounter Jesus in the gospel. From the beginning, John wants to make the unique subject and object of the gospel crystal clear. We are meeting the very God in very real human being. The divinity of Jesus becomes clear by degrees in the other gospels and epistles. John wants to make Jesus' divinity clear from his first two Verses, and we owe John's emphasis a great deal. There's no way around it, folks. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. But some might have been wondering as they read this perhaps they were Greeks, perhaps they were Philistines, perhaps they had other pagan gods. Well, which God is this speaking about? Well, John draws our eyes back to Genesis chapter 1 once again because he begins to pull things from that narrative. What does he begin to pull from that narrative specifically? He says, and everything was made through him and nothing was made apart from him. Where was the place in the Bible that spoke to things being made? Genesis chapter 1, once again, we find ourselves there. But here's the question. You've read that text before, likely, if you're a believer, and even like, you know, even many non-Christians, you know, I'll give this Bible a try. Where do they open up, right? Page one, okay? So you've, you've likely read this before. It starts to go through all the various things that were made. So here's the question this morning, though. Where is the word in this text? I see God. I see the spirit hovering over the waters, but where is the word? Well, let's look at this together. Genesis 1, 1 to 3. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness, notice that? Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God, the breath of God, Ruach, the breath of God, it was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, in this moment of creation, something profound is happening. We see God is there. We see the breath of God is there. And in order to say a word, what do you need? Breath. And the breath of God as it comes out and it forms the words to create. This word said. I know it seems like it is very hidden behind the veil here. This word said as the word was said. We see Jesus in the text. He is the said word who created everything. He is following his father's orders. He's following his father's orders. You see, God's word, him speaking, plays a prominent role in the creation narrative of Genesis 1. Each of the seven days is introduced by a new act of divine speech. And God said, let there be light. That's the first example. But this goes on each day. And on the third and sixth days, there are three additional moments where God speaks, creating ten words that generate the entirety of the universe. Everything. The stars, the planets, black holes, galaxies. Mountains, the trees, the rivers, the oceans, and human beings like you and me. With fingers, toes, noses, hearts, lungs and minds right now that are working to try and comprehend these incredible realities. This is what the scriptures tell us. And John is telling us that the word which was in the beginning with God was spoken by God and is the creator of all things. Now, I was trying to think of an example to explain this really, really deep theological concept so you would stay awake this morning. And I had uh, a couple thoughts, okay? Jesus, the word, is following the Father's blueprint and directions as he speaks. And he is the carpenter putting it all together. This remind you of your childhood, anyone? I can say this because my dad's not here and he doesn't listen to the podcast. So um, <laughs> my dad, you know, growing up, he would be the guy, you know, if we had the Ikea, Ikea furniture, he'd be reading the instructions and barking the orders and we would be the ones trying to put it together, Right? This is kind of what's happening in this text here is that the father is giving direction. He is the architect. He is the mastermind. And he is giving directions. And as he gives directions, Jesus is fulfilling the will of the father in creation. But this is what is happening here. It's just without the nagging and ragging on the son. They're working in perfect harmony together. Something they would continue to do on earth. Do you remember Jesus saying things like this? I do nothing on my own accord, but I only do what the Father tells me to do. He says this kind of system that they had going on in his earthly ministry actually went back all the way to the beginning. He's always not been doing things on his own accord. He's always been fulfilling the will of the Father. He did it in creation. He did it in life. Let me give you another illustration to close, there was a, a woman in the First Presbyterian Church in New Haven, Connecticut, who said it this way while trying to make sense of this text. And it's actually brilliant. And she says it in a more succinct way than I've seen any Bible commentator in any of the commentaries I opened this week. 
She said this, I think that the way a human being's audible words relate to his or her in audible thoughts is the way that the divine human Jesus relates to the invisible God. Let me read this one more time. I think that the way a human being's audible words relate to his or her in audible thoughts, which we very much want to know, is the way in which the divine human Jesus relates the invisible God, whom we very much want to know. We long, don't we, to know what the people who are important to us are thinking. And we get this deeply desired knowledge. How? When they talk to us. And the great God talks the human race most specifically and specially in Jesus. We long to know who God is, what God thinks and does. And in Jesus, his most personal word, God has spoken to us in the most human way possible, giving us his innermost thoughts and heart. In deeds that are as profound as his words and the believing human race has experienced deep help ever since. Jesus, the word, in the very beginning, revealed the will of God as he created. And Jesus, the word, revealed the will of God as he entered humanity. And not just the will of God, the heart of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the qualities of God. If you look at Jesus, you get a glimpse in the human language who God is and what he is like. And this is what is taking place in the incarnation. This is what is taking place in John's words. This is what is taking place in the very beginning of creation. Now, if you were a Jew at this point, you would yell out, Holy Toledo. No, I'm just kidding. You probably would say, Holy, 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 or something like that. Because this would be just like, whoa. We're not just talking about a God. We're talking about the God, the creator of the heavens and earth. The, 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 that God? Really? And, and he's, you know, he created all things, like all things, everything, every little thing that was made. And for good measure, without him, nothing, no thing, not a thing that has been made has been made, or <laughs> that has been made is made without him. Amazing. It's amazing. And as I conclude, I'll invite the band up. I just want to speak to a few different people who might be in the room. If you're a visitor right now, you're inquiring about faith. You've showed up because it's Christmas. Because your aunt dragged you here or something like that. Maybe you just walked in to drink our free coffee. You thought, well, I'll come on in there. This is weird. <laughs> here is the thing you have to grapple with this Christmas. Is that if John is right... And the God of the universe came among us as the Christ in Christmas. You have to do something with that. Now, one of the options is reject it. And you're totally able to do that if that's where you're at. But the prayer of my heart and the hope of this passage is this. Is that as you consider these incredible truths, something would shift in your heart that you would begin to believe. There is a God. He is not far away. He is close to us. He has come among us. He cares about us. 
And this would be the Christmas that you would look back to of all of your life. That was the moment. That was the moment when I realized it was true. The light has come. If you are a believer in this room, don't let this moment pass you by either. Don't allow this to be old news. Yeah, I've heard this story before. Read that passage before. Yeah, I get it. No, my friends. Allow this to wash over you once again. This is good news of great joy that is for all people. In that day, in the city of David, there was a Savior who was born, who is Messiah, who is God with us, who loved us, who came for us, who did not leave us in our sin and our pain and in our darkness, but he has shone a light, a light that is bright for all to see, to give us a guiding light in the midst of the darkness of this world, to give us a light that leads us to heaven and eternity and hope. Don't allow this to be just old news. This is good news 20 centuries later because it means that God cares for you and God loves you. I came to know Jesus when I was 16 years old. It has radically changed my life. And I think to myself, man, what if I... What if I rejected it? Oh, I can tell you right now, my friends, a life that is gripped by the good news of the gospel is a good life. And it is a life worth living. Lift your eyes to Jesus. Open your hearts to him again this Christmas. It will change your life forever. Let's pray together. And then we're going to take communion together in light of this this morning. Jesus, the word that was there in the beginning. Jesus, the word that was with God. Jesus, the word that was God. Jesus, the one who made and created everything. The infant Christ who came for us at Christmas. We recognize your presence in this place this morning. We say you are welcome here. God, I pray for my friends who are struggling to believe. Help our unbelief. By the power of your Holy Spirit, give us minds that can comprehend the depths and the widths and the heights of your great love for us. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, for the hardened old heart who says, I've heard this story before, help their heart to beat and feel. Give them a heart of flesh. Let them once again rejoice. Rejoice in the good news of the gospel. Rejoice that God has come. The light is here, and although the world is dark, your presence is with us. Help us to believe, and help us to see that Jesus, light of the world, you have come. I pray these things in your name, and everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.